second. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. Hey, everybody, Hold Ron on. here. Get ready to listen to this great bonus episode with researcher Chris Graves. What are you doing here? I discovered Chris on Tinfoil Hat and uh, chased him down and got him to come on the Wicked Planet. He's got some really interesting information about the Columbine shooting. We talk about that, a lot of the oddities associated with that. And then we uh, we talk a little bit about the Boston bombing. And then uh, towards the end of the show, we get into a little bit of Cape Cod folklore. So, sit back, take a listen. Chris, what's going on? We've got Chris Graves here on the line. Uh, hey, Ron. How are you? Yeah, I've been trying to get this guy on the show for a while. I listened to you on uh, Tinfoil Hat with Sam, and then uh, and he was introducing you, and he goes, oh, hey, you're in New England? Do you know Ron from New England? You guys are going to get hooked up. <laughs> yeah, I so, that, yeah. So I listened to the episode, and it was awesome. And I'm like, okay, this guy's in New England. I don't know exactly where he is, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hunt him down. So here we are. <laughs> You really deep dive on a lot of subjects. And one subject that, well, it's actually, you talked a little bit about it on Tinfoil Hat. And it's always been super interesting to me because I always considered it the granddaddy of school shootings. Yes. And, uh, and, and I want to get into it. I want to get into it a little bit with you uh, because I know you know a lot of, I know a whole lot more about it than I do, but I can remember even back when when Columbine happened, things didn't add up, right? There was a lot of things about it that just were off. And that was the first time that I had heard anything about major school shootings or, or, or anything like that. And then it seemed like ever since then, it's been like an ongoing occurrence, right? And then we can get into that a little bit. I want you to explain like the things that we weren't told in the news that I find super, super interesting. All right. Well, yeah, I, um, I, I consider it the nine 11 of, of school slash spree shootings. Like even take the school out of like, we got the movie theaters now and malls, churches. Um, yeah, it was really one of those moments. And they, if you noticed all the media coverage focused in on that, that particular, uh, shooting at the time, when there were plenty that were like right before the news that they didn't dwell on as much at all as uh, Columbine itself. So I really do feel like it was uh, one of those pivotal, um, I say operations, because it seemed like the way things were going, it, there were the witnesses right of the, uh, in the school and even the police officers on the scene thought it was a terrorist incident at first because there were eight to 10 shooters that were observed like uh, in total. And even in the local press uh, in Littleton, they were not shy about, you know, um, broadcasting that fact, but in the national media, it was whittled down to just these two teenagers, right? 
but there were guys with black masks on that were observed, people on the roof. Later on, they tried to say it was just an innocent repairman that got, you know, stuck up on the roof during the uh, the chaos. And that very well could be, but he changed his story a, a few times. And there was a videotape at one time of two guys dressed in, in black with uh, what appeared to be weapons firing down. Like got people escaping the school. And that videotape has never been seen again. And there was a, uh, Mark, uh, Mark Taylor, who was shot outside. He made the claim at one point that he was shot by somebody on the roof. And then later on, a little while after, he was shot by Eric Harris, who was on the ground. So you have all these different uh, witness accounts and, and people had mentioned, including Mark Taylor, and and his mother, uh, Donna Taylor, they mentioned that they were intimidated into not talking about those aspects to the media. But while he was in the hospital, even like just people like, you know, in the local authorities coming to visit, you know, people in the hospital that were shot and just, you know, kind of like, you know, don't mention certain things. And that was Donna Taylor. That was a, a mother of, of one of the victims that survived and he had his own lawsuits like with the uh the drug companies afterwards for SSRIs and things like that but that was later on and now we don't really know where Mark Taylor and his mother Donna are to this day i mean they were they had mentioned before that they were caught up in like another country at one point but i've been trying to do follow ups to see where they are but no luck but there's a lot to this um yeah 8 to 8 to 10 possible suspects that were observed. I know someone personally that was there. Her name's Jen, Jen Small. She goes by Jen Thompson. Now I interviewed her for the first episode of any of the shows I have on get mad with Chris Graves. She was the first episode and she goes into how she saw an adult shooter that was with Dylan Klebold at a certain point. And this adult that looked like he was in his thirties, and he looks like he was all jacked up. He had like a military haircut. He's, he's sitting there wearing a, a a white t-shirt and like blue jeans and everything. He's holding a tan shot, a sawed off shotgun in his hands. And he's trying to calm Dylan down at a certain point. And that just leads me to think that he, he most likely was some kind of handler of some sort. And that maybe Dylan was like snapping out of whatever trance or whatever, you know, not to get into MK ultra too much because I can't prove it, but just it seemed like he was coming out of, uh, or he was coming to, out of something. Because a lot of people had mentioned that Eric and Dylan were, they appeared to be like in a video game. They were like whooping it up and laughing while they were shooting, you know, in the library and everything. And it just seemed like he was coming out of some kind of a other state of mind. And he was all upset. He's, he kept, he was uh, heard to be screaming as he was walking down, up and down the halls that uh, today's the fucking day that I, today's the day I'm going to fucking die and things like that. And just screaming like he was all happy about it. And this other adult guy that was not Eric Harris, because Eric Harris is this kind of like scrawny little dude. But this guy appeared to be, like, in the military. Like, he had that appearance, Jen was saying. And you can read that in Jen Small's uh, police uh, witness statement. And that's – it's kind of funny about her her witness statement is because 
all the other witnesses, they, they tend to, uh, they, they tell their story, but then you can see throughout the whole statement that the cops are kind of leading people to a certain, um, destination, uh, by saying that we, you know, there weren't any other shooters. We, we studied the cafeteria tapes and there's a reason why those cafeteria tapes were broadcast on, uh, all the news stations, uh, in my opinion, so, like before. So sure, Chris, sure. so Chris, like the videos were cherry picked, right? Oh, absolutely. They were sent to Quantico for enhancement, whatever that means. Yeah, Those well, articles are out there still. Right. So, Be, because, uh, you know, that's the one thing when we talk, you know, hear about anything that we hear about Columbine that's uh, away from the official narrative. Yeah. Is that there was a lot more footage of what was happening. Right. And so, but, but the story that we're being fed was that this Eric Harris and this Dylan Klebold guy, just these, just these two kids. Yeah. You know, what were they called? The trench coat mafia or something like that? Well, and- they weren't even a part of that. If, it, if you ask people that were around them and everything, they weren't even members of that club. Okay. That was made up of students that, you know, were older than them. But the trench coat mafia was the term that was you know used all over the media. Yeah, they so- weren't even actual members of it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, here's the other thing that's really sketchy about this. This happened on April 20th. 1999, yeah, April 20th. So what else was April 20th? Well, they tried to tie it into Oklahoma City, which was the 19th, but they also said Hitler's birthday. And Waco. 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 That's right. So, yeah, yeah, so April 20th is Hitler's birthday. And uh, so I just find it like odd that all of these types of events are all happening on or very close to the same date. Yeah. And the official narrative is that these kids just had it in their mind that they were going to do this. Now, now of course we're so many more years later, right? Yeah. And, And it's like, this clearly looks MK ultra to me. Oh yeah. And these kids were on, psychotropic drugs correct well eric harris was on um i forget the I, I can't pronounce it right now it's in my mind but yeah he was on an ssri but he had been off of it for two weeks prior so was it because he was coming withdrawing? down coming down with, from with this yeah. yeah exactly um with dylan they don't really say what was in his system but but in the in the police reports, they do say that St. John's wart was found in his car. So that may have some significance to his state of mind, or it may not, but it was in the reports. All right. Let's go back to the, uh, the theory of the additional shooters, uh, oh, yeah. that, that this information you got from this, uh, did you say her name was Jen? Yeah. Jen small. She yeah. talks about the uh, adult shooter that was, um, that she saw and, other people around her saw uh, Wade Dillon Klebold uh, later on in the massacre. Yeah. Now, so if they were if they were saying that you know people coming back and saying it was up to about ten different shooters, including police. Yeah, yeah. So let's so let's get into that a little bit. Where did you? Uh, what is your take on that? Well, Sheriff John Stone said that we were uh, we didn't enter immediately because we were way outgunned. So if you got two teenagers that are that both have only two firearms apiece and little crickets and little you know little pipe bombs thrown, how is that to a SWAT team way outgunned? Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any sense. So in my mind, 
now I'm going to get real conspiratorial. I believe it was an op of some sort. And I don't think it was like a Sandy Hook type situation where people have their opinions, whether it really happened or not. In that case, full disclosure, I think people were killed at Sandy Hook. But Sandy Hook was a new level of false flag, in my opinion, that they added this Twilight Zone element where people are laughing and doing doing weird, like coroners are laughing and things. Stuff that is unnatural, like it you know, in these kind of situations. Cause if you notice at Columbine, the last thing parents would want in their face was a camera to be asked questions when they're worried about their kids. Don't, they don't even know if they're alive still. Right. But anyway, going back to Columbine, that was just uh, your, oh, I don't want to say old fashioned because that sounds like it's like, Oh yeah. Old fashioned. You know, that sounds like a, a positive thing, but I mean, I don't want to say classic either, but your typical false flag in the past, people would die. It would just be blamed on, other people, but there would be fatalities or destruction that was real. And I'm not saying Sandy Hook was not real, but certain parts of that are different than what Columbine and things back then were in that there, it seemed pretty, um, pretty legitimate in terms of like everything that was going on, except for who the real perpetrators were, that type of thing. If that makes any sense. No, it doesn't. So with, with Columbine, um, I really do feel like it was one of those events, like a, a 9-11, even though 9-11 was like a year and a half later, or two years later, rather. Um, it was like the 9-11 of school shootings and spree shootings in general. And people like Bill Cooper were even talking about that like 10 years before Columbine, that this was kind of like part of a plan. You know, that eventually, if you also keep in mind, now I go all over the place because I got ADD, I got ADHD, HDTV, whatever, all the different, (laughs) all the different things. But it also, if you notice the school shooter or spree shooter phenomenon replaced the serial killer phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And we haven't had these celebrity or, you know, celebrity serial killers so much ever since. It's basically been this spree shooter thing and the late Dave McGowan, you know, brought that to my attention in his book Program to Kill. It seems like they have different things on the shelf to scare the shit out of the public. Like and now we have other things like, you know, viruses and invisible enemies and things. But I'm going way off on the thing. But Columbine was um focused on for a reason. And just by going through the eleven thousand page pages of documents and everything that are out there. It's a rabbit hole, man. And a lot of people don't remember a lot of these weird things like the guy on the roof that students, the guy on the roof shot out the back window of someone's car in the parking lot. Like that is not an innocent repairman that was stuck up on the roof. And they supposedly have pictures of shell casings found on the roof too. That was not from SWAT teams or anything. It was from his, uh, it was from a weapon that Harrison Klebo didn't have on them officially. And they were never on the roof officially. So who's the the one to possibly two people that were seen at certain points? And they were wearing like uh, different colored shirts even. And now these there were other kids that were in the trench coat mafia that were named in these reports by witnesses. They were outed. Their names are in there. And I think someone that was in charge of redacting the the other suspects' names, they kind of, in my opinion, the way it appears that they are way too sloppy 
in that they didn't redact them the, in the best way. And they let you see exactly who the person was talking about, but then they'd redact them a couple of sentences down. Like they kind of wanted, yeah, I feel like there was someone on the inside in the police department that was like, this isn't right. You know, and there's like far too many people that, that actually named people. And I won't name them here, but it's all over the internet. If you go on, you know, cause they weren't in a court of law, you know, found guilty, but there's way too many witnesses that, that named all these other people. And there were adults besides, uh, like I said, there were adults, uh, grown men that looked like muscular in appearance that had black masks on. Now, Dylan and Eric officially weren't wearing masks throughout the uh, massacre. So people like Isaiah Scholes, the one, the, the sole uh, black kid that got killed, his father had mentioned when I got to Columbine, everyone was talking about guys in black masks. Whatever happened to that? You know? So even family members of the victims were like, what's going on? And you know, something about Isaiah Scholes has always bothered me is that you remember at around the time, one of the talking points with a lot of the witnesses that were in the library were saying things like that. The killers whoever the killers were in the library were laughing it up, whooping it up about the black kids brains being all over the place and saying, Oh, that's cool. Like, I, I, Oh, I've never seen, they use the N word, right? They say, Oh, look at that N words like brains. That's cool. Like that was repeated over and over again. But when you go and look at Isaiah Scholl's uh, autopsy report, he never had one force trauma to his head at all. He had a shotgun blast to the chest and his shoulder. So who was telling the the library witnesses to repeat that over and over again to the media outside once hours later they were allowed to go outside? Because keep in mind, Eric and Dylan were supposed to have died, supposedly supposed to have killed themselves at 12.06, between 12.06 and 12.10. The shooting was heard in the building all the way up until 3.45. Really? So who was, oh, Yeah. And when gunmen were witnessed, and not just SWAT people, gunmen were witnessed all the way up until those times. And Jen Small, my friend, had said that she was in the uh, the science room with Dave Sanders, the teacher that bled to death. The SWAT team could have came in. They even held up a thing in the window saying, you know, one bleeding to death. You know, it was caught on cameras and uh, there's pictures of it, the little dry erase board and everything. Mm-hmm. They could have came in and got him, but they, they waited and waited and waited, and he bled to death. And they were keeping him alive for like three hours, three plus hours. So, yeah, there were a lot a lot of other perpetrators. There's a, uh, another girl that I've been trying to make contact with. Her name's Kristen Kruger. At the time, her name was Kristen Wong. She wrote, uh, she wrote a book about trauma uh, going through the whole Columbine experience. And she opens up at a certain point in the book about this third shooter uh, who goes by the name of Robert. Just say that she doesn't say Robert in the book, but if people look it up, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. She knew Robert, Eric and Dylan. That's how she could tell the difference between who was shooting at her and her friends and who wasn't. And this person I just named wasn't supposed to be in the school because he was kicked out like a year prior. So she knew he wasn't supposed to be on campus. And my friend Jen that I just mentioned that saw the adult shooter with Dylan, 
the muscular guy who had spiky uh, bleach bleach uh, blonde tips, like and a shaved on the sides and everything, real like military like kind of cut. Well, Jen, I'm going all over the place. Oh, I bear with you. Oh, me, you're right? good. You're good. Makes sense. Jen had a cigarette at what they called the smoker's pit at Columbine, which is basically off campus, but everyone referred to this little area that's right off of the the school grounds called the smoker's pit. She had a cigarette, and lo and behold, this was like maybe 15 minutes before the shooting began. Who does she see there? She sees Eric Harris there having a cigarette. And Jen had mentioned something about how she was having a bad day or whatever. And Eric made a joke or he made a comment about, well, you know, it's Hitler's birthday today. So she knew that one of the reason I'm bringing that up is she knew the difference between the adult shooter that was with Dylan and the guy, Eric, that she had just talked to 15 minutes before everything began. So she could tell the difference and the police weren't satisfied with that. And they were really coming down hard on her to change her story Mm -hmm. within the actual report. And she ended up having her phone tapped and everything later on and all these other weird things going on. And what what brings it back to the, this Kristen Kruger girl that wrote the book, she could tell the difference between her, the shooter that was shooting at her because she was friends with him at one point. She was an outcast, Kristen uh, Long Kruger. She was one of them at one point. So she knew Dylan, Eric, and this other guy. So it's important to know that. And this other guy gets uh, this is some weird confusion that goes on because people go, well, the guy, Robert, he looks just like Dylan. And if you look at their pictures, it's a stretch. But in my mind, not really. Like, you could tell the two of This other guy, Robert, had, like, real bad acne everywhere. He had crooked teeth. You look at Dylan Klebold's face, he doesn't have acne. His teeth are fine. But then that kind of gets used to brush off all of the people that saw this Robert shooting at people, you know, including people that got hit with bullets, like ID'd him and not Eric or Dylan. So this goes like really down the rabbit hole. And there was a military presence there, too, that was like unprecedented for a school shooting in the United States. I personally, in the mid 2000s, I saw still photographs from footage that was from a helicopter, news footage, that zoomed in on a a large, like, dark blue vehicle that had the words NATO written on the side of it. Really? And it had the NATO shield as, like, the battering ram thing in the front made out of metal. It was the NATO shield. And that was parked right out in front of Columbine High School, right as the massacre was beginning. And then you never saw that footage of that truck ever again. So I don't know what that means. And I'm not the only one that saw the photos. People saw the video footage live because the cameraman zooms in on the NATO part for like 20 seconds of this vehicle. And then the feed was cut. And I guess hundreds of people reported seeing this in on the internet at the time in 1999. People like John Quinn, that you, he was a, a independent reporter at the time. He went by the name of Newshawk. People can look up his articles, and things uh, still on the internet. He went by Newshawk, and he, he he talked all about the uh, NATO truck that was seen. A two-star general that wasn't wearing. American military clothes, but he had some kind of insignias on him, witnessed on the scene, 
And even John Stone, Sheriff John Stone, at a press conference the next day was asked about, why was there a two-star general uh, on scene? Like, what's going on with that? He had no answers for that and just went on to the next question. But if you look at what NATO was at the time, Clinton had our troops, had troops of ours over in Kosovo that same week. You know what I mean? And NATO gets involved with, uh, if you go back and look at Operation Gladio in the 60s, you know, that had that was a whole thing where they would have stay-behind troops in World War II that were uh, pretending to be um, fascists, basically, but were actually communists. And they would uh, basically, the idea behind Gladio, and I, I hope I don't butcher this, was that they were going to fake terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm especially with women and children around like at supermarkets at, you know, the at areas with families and things to cause to call, they call it the uh, strategy of tension. And that was a common thing with Gladio was to create so much chaos. And it actually relates to our state, state of affairs nowadays here in the United States is to cause so much chaos that you're begging your government to protect you. Basically uh, the false flag, paradigm or whatever you want to call it yeah Um, the uh chris that's that's like the we are willing to give up a lot of our freedoms for security kind of narrative right exactly so that goes all the way back to gladio which was during world war ii right so yeah yeah that that, that is that is another rabbit hole i've I've breezed (laughs) over it once and i'm like you know we get to do a whole special on it because it it goes all over the place yeah (laughs) It's just really interesting that you have all of these eyewitnesses that see military military personnel there, high rank tanks. Tanks were on scene, dude. What is that? <laughs> Two teenagers. Where did you see that later on with the Boston bombing too? Okay, they had so, tanks in the streets of Boston. But, Sorry, I'm like now I'm like putting it together in my own head right now. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, connected. no, it's no, Chris, it's crazy because it's like. How long did it take for them to deploy military assets to Columbine High School? Exactly. Right? Now, we know there's Why a lot of military. A well, there's a lot of military installations in Colorado. We know that. Right, in Denver. Yeah. Yeah, Colorado Springs and, and things like that. Yeah. So, but, but uh, what is really, I still can't get over the dates, like to April 20th, yeah. right? That's like a there common a, denominator. to it. Huge comment to that. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, so then you have, you know, possibly people getting shot outside when Eric wow. Harris and Dylan Klebold are actually inside. Yep. Where yeah. is the where is the uh, the the whole explanation for that, right? And where is all this footage gone? Because all we've seen is yeah. probably less than five minutes of footage, like way less. Of these well, kids, you, you got in the, the tapes school. that are available, but they're all you can tell they're met, they've been messed with. Like the timestamps are off, and all this. Like they cut a lot of stuff out of there. There is like a an hour and a half to two hours of footage from supposedly from just the cafeteria, yeah. but they would not release the footage from the administrative office, which apparently they didn't go anywhere near because it was on the almost the other side of the building, just about. And also, there were reports that week that there was a camera in the library, not only outside of the library at the entrance, but there were reports that there was security cameras inside the library that would have caught 
uh, most of the murders on film. But then they retracted that a couple of days later and said that, oh, there there never was a camera in. But they were talking about it a couple of days before that, you know? Yeah, you know what's, again, I keep having to come back to this date. Like, in Waco, right? Yeah. There, the law enforcement or the FBI's motive was, we need to go in and check out this David Koresh individual because we heard... Yeah. That he had some illegal weapons. Now, we're not even bringing in the fact that they were basically calling the Branch Davidians a cult, right? Which very well could be, right? And him a child molester uh, later on, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because they had, I mean, was it 20-something kids got got fried in that whole they, ordeal? They, yeah, so, Jana Reno said that they had to save the children. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they had to save the children, which they weren't very successful at. But what it comes down to is happened on these same dates. Yeah. The Branch Davidians were considered to be uh, maybe not right-wing extremists, but religious extremists, right? Yeah. And a lot of your hardcore religious people do tend to be more conservative, a.k.a. right-wing, right? So so this was their excuse to go in. You know, they're a bunch of gun-toting, right-wing extremists. They knew when when Koresh would go to the store, so they could have avoided all that bloodshed. Oh, yeah, no, I remember that story. Like, they could have arrested him when he was in town. They wanted to make an example here. Yeah, and and what I'm getting to is this may have been the beginning. Like, Waco is what really started putting this stuff, like, in motion, right? Then you got Ruby Ridge, of course. Yeah. Kind of the same MO, right? Uh, where they're killing like an innocent people. Weaver, Vicky Weaver gets shot while holding her child yep. in her arms. Yep. Yep. But but what it is, it's it's the attack on anybody that is deemed a domestic terrorist. Yep. So we know that coming into the Patriot Act, which was enacted just a few years after Columbine, right? And it was written by Joe Biden, and he he likes to take credit for it after the uh, Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah, so, yeah, and we're going to touch just a teeny bit on Oklahoma City, too. There's a lot there, too. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. No, I can tell we're going to be getting together pretty frequently because this stuff is, this April 20th thing, this is a significant date, right? Yeah. Also, we know the narrative in all of these school shootings or mass shootings or mall shootings, you know, all the same thing. Yeah, like like they're, like they're different than workplace shootings. Workplace shootings happen. Yeah. Like people get pissed off. They have a beef with another worker. They get fired. Going they're gonna postal. go in there. They're gonna yeah. go going postal exactly, and yeah. and going there and they're just gonna clean out a few people like and commit suicide by cop. Right. I think we're exactly. talking we're talking about two different things here. Yeah. Because yeah. because these school shootings, this they know that. It's it's on their end, winning the hearts and minds of regular citizens. Yeah. To turn citizens against people that want to own guns, want to have conservative values. And yeah. I and I and I and I think, you know, an argument could be made that, you know, because this happened during the Clinton era, right? Yeah. That's right. So I mean, we all know what he was involved in. We all know the sketchy stuff that Hillary was involved in back then. <laughs> Even now, I mean, you know, what is the talk about Mina, Arkansas? And Bill Clinton was one of the biggest drug dealers, drug traffickers there were, right? Because it came through Arkansas 
and Poppy Bush and him were best of buddies back then. And a couple of years later, they put on they're, a charade that they're mortal enemies. They're still know? friends. They're yep. still friends, right? Oh, yeah. So I, I say this was the beginning of them saying, we got to get the guns out of the hands of Americans. It's the only way we're going to ex- succeed in our, and I call it the communist takeover. Right? Yeah. Because everything that's going on now is right out of the communist playbook. It's right yeah. out of Saul Alinsky's playbook. <laughs> you know, like the trans agenda, the yeah. Black Lives Matter, the, the racist agenda, right? So, you know, without getting too far off track. No, it all connects, so you're, you're right if that's yeah, what you're going for. And, yeah. and I just got to say, Waco put the wheels in motion. Then you have, you know, this, this thing in Columbine. You know, you got Oklahoma City, same, da- same dates, big one. same yep. dates, and then directly after that, we got nine eleven, which obviously wasn't in April, but but that has significance too. But I don't have it up in front of me. But you're right; these dates have some kind of occult significance to these people, whoever these people are. All right, yeah. so let's get into the reports that the FBI had boots on the ground at Columbine. I'll tell you right now, Wayne, Wayne I'm going to mispronounce his name, but Wayne Fusile, it's, it's spelled F-U-S-L-E-L-I-E-R, Fusiler. He was in charge of the FBI contingent that was in charge of the Columbine investigation afterwards. We found out that his son, Scott, was one of these trench coat mafia kids and that he participated in making one of their videos that from two years prior that mimicked a school shooting at Columbine High School. And this Wayne F. Uh, person did not recuse himself from the investigation. Even when it came out, this was revealed. He didn't, re- you know, he didn't step down and let someone else take over because of a conflict of interest. He proceeded, and his other son was in the cafeteria when all the chaos broke out too and also they they made this video with brooks brown who was directly uh friends with eric and dylan he actually was there uh, eric had told him to go run away right before he entered the building with guns and everything the other thing i want to say is that my friend jen small uh backed up that Kristen krueger that wrote that book about who she saw shooting at her she backed uh, she backed up Kristen by saying that she saw this Robert character also carrying really large bags of something into the school, and he wasn't supposed to be there because he was kicked out a year prior. So I don't know why you're probably like, why are you bringing this up now? Like an hour later? No, it just popped into my head because all this stuff like starts to start to bore us. So this while, Robert guy is the elusive uh, alleged third gunman for the most part. But third gunman that we know nothing names. about. Yeah, and this isn't the adult that Jen saw either. She didn't know who that was. He appeared to be in his 30s and was clearly an adult and looked like he was some kind of military or police-type uh, official because he had the undershirt. She said of like a, the white uh, kind of dress, dressier white shirt that you would see on like a firefighter or a police officer if he took mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. the dark blue off or whatever. And, and that's the theory I have. I can't prove it, but I think his way out of the building was just to wait for the SWAT teams to arrive, and maybe he had some SWAT gear himself, and he just exited afterwards. 
That's speculation, folks. But I mean, how else did he uh, get out of the building? But Mm -hmm. he was seen by more than Jen. But anyway, going back to what you said just now about dates and things like that. But this Robert guy, the Robert. Well, we were talking about Robert, how uh, there was witnesses that saw this individual, knew who he was. Yeah. Right. But nothing ever came up in any of the investigations about this Robert individual. They wiped him away. His his alibi was that he was at home sleeping during the whole thing. And unfortunately, his mother and his grandmother, like, kind of covered for him with that. But he arrived at the library, not of the school, but the public library, where all the um, families were were headed to uh, get news from the authorities about, you know, their loved ones and everything. He arrived there and everyone was like, he was one of the shooters. Like he, he was legitimately scaring people. Cause he had his, he had a sister that was there too. That was a current student. So that was his excuse for being, you know, showing up after the fact wearing like a tie dye shirt and everything. He didn't have a, the black trench coat on at that point. But he scared a lot of people, and a lot of people were like, you, you shoot at us, and like the cops didn't do anything. You know, and there were other people that were named, too, that showed up. And you know what? It's kind of weird. All these people that were named in police reports, they all did interviews on TV, hidden in plain sight, about how horrible the situation was, and they were all how worried about their friends they were. But a lot of these people were named in the reports as being assailants in it. And they were doing interviews on the local news. like So that was another aspect. And there was another, I don't want to say gentleman, but there was another uh, kid that had already graduated. He ended up starting to talk about um, Columbine on web message boards in like 2006, 2007. And they found him hung, hung to death with like a, pu- a puddle of blood underneath him. That shows that he wasn't, uh, that he was probably murdered, you know, and he didn't actually hang himself whenever you see like a puddle of blood under someone. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know if what they were telling me was correct, but he uh, didn't seem like he was suicidal at the time because uh, he had just had a new child at, uh, right around that time. But this guy that I'm referring to actually was named a couple of times as a shooter, and he started talking about it. And now he's not alive anymore. So uh, mm-hmm. take that for what it is. I'm not speculating, but I kind of was with the pool of blood, but I was told that that could be a sign that there was foul play involved. But yeah, so there's a lot there, man, a lot there. And nine 11 happened and it kind of made everyone forget about the weird oddities that were reported on a little bit, but mainly when all the media focused on this event, it was all about the emotions and the tears. And don't get me wrong. I'm not being a heartless jerk or whatever, but in all of these type of situations, you're always getting the heartstrings. You're not, you know, critically thinking about what evidence you were just told and what eyewitnesses were. They like to say all eyewitness testimony is not legitimate and it's not valid and things. Uh, Well, then you look at something like false memory syndrome, which is not a real syndrome. It never was. And they actually got rid of that in 2019. I think they still have an official website. If you look it up, false memory syndrome, that's no longer a thing. And it never officially was a syndrome. And it was basically used to kind of um, target victims of, you know, child molestation and things like that. Sure, yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, Yeah, so that and also 
people that had witnessed shady stuff, like in conspiracy theories, like my friend Jen, like the same type of tactics. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you saw. You were so traumatized that you thought Eric all of a sudden turned into a 30-year-old man with big, huge, like, muscles and, and all this other, you know, blah, 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 you know. Yeah, try. She, she had a cigarette with a guy. She yeah. knew the difference between between that guy and who she just talked to, like right before, like you know what I mean. It's yeah. like insulting. I feel bad for you know for the people that are, are attacked uh, with this crap. You know? Well, well, not only not only like like uh, trying to say it's false memories, but what they're actually trying to do is they're probably they're trying to put thoughts into these to the witnesses' heads that like to the con- police were to convince like they- them to to convince them that that's not what you saw. This is what you saw. That's what they did. The police did with the witnesses with that cafeteria tape it being leaked, saying, no, see, we just had we have two. We have the footage. Whatever you're saying right now is horseshit. We can prove it because of this doctored tape that we had to send to Quantico for enhancement. Right. Right. It you know, you know, sorry. something I wanted to bring up earlier and I, and I just sorry. thought of it, too. <laughs> you know, uh, April 19th, April 20th. Right. That That's that's like a big day in the satanic world. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, what is that? Ball, happy ball day, uh, ball day, or ball's birthday, or something like that's, that. That's come up before, yeah. Yeah, ball. yeah. Just little yeah. interesting tidbit I wanted to throw in here because we, we, we do shows about ball and Mullock and the Kazarians and how they're tied in, tied in with all yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, again, another significant date uh, that's associated with something that's satanic. This could be part of some type of governmental satanic agenda. Can I tell you? Child sacrifice. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, there's there's, uh, some child sacrifice stuff uh, ties there, too. Um, Do you know when Dylan Dylan Klebold was born? No. September 11th, 1981. Oh, my God. Exactly 20 years. Yeah. Do you know that they said that Eric Harris, um, in the press, during the week that Columbine happened, that had him and Dylan been able to escape after blowing up the school and killing everybody in there. They were going to not only go around the neighborhood and the surrounding neighborhoods and shoot up people, but that they were going to get their sel- themselves to the, somehow to the Denver airport, hijack a plane and crash it into New York city. Hmm. And then they brought this back up of all people. Stephen King brought this fact up right after 9-11, and said, well, you know what, if the killers from Columbine thought that it was a possibility, you know, he started peddling that too, but you find out Wayne Harris, Eric Harris's father, worked for the Air Force, and then supposedly retired, and there's there's some claims that he had something to do with special ops, and uh, things like that, and black ops after the fact. And they, they actually moved from Plattsburgh, New, uh, New York, that base, which has some MK Ultra ties, he worked for flight simulator for flight safety, the the simulator training company that was in charge of at least three of the hijackers on 9/11. Their training supposedly, so flight safety is the is the school. So there's some ties with 9/11 and uh, Columbine and Dave McGowan, the late Dave McGowan, pointed out on his website a couple of times that. Columbine was basically 9-11, but on a very, very smaller level. But they're the same op, basically, with the trauma-based 
mm-hmm. mind control for the masses. You got the trench coat mafia, which wasn't a real organization. Then you find out what Al Qaeda really was and the ties back to the Mujahideen in the eighties and all that. It's like they have all these weird parallels, these two events that shaped a lot of stuff like legislation even gun control stuff, you know, Patriot Act, which it's like the most hypocritical name for that legislation. That all, you know, I mean, it just goes on and on. And they're all all these events. I'm friends with a uh, an author named Donald Jeffries, right? I do research for him. I'm familiar. Yep. Yeah, he has Hidden History three coming out, and we have a lot more 9/11 and Columbine stuff because he wasn't too familiar with the Columbine stuff, like most folks. Most folks now kind of go towards the Vegas shooting or Sandy Hook or whatever because they're newer. But it all stems back to Columbine, in my opinion. And even you can go back to 1966 with Whitman with the tower shooting. Oh, That was like the first real spree shooting. And there was reports during that that there were like multiple gunmen in the tower because they were getting cops are getting shot out. shot at by all different kinds of directions. Mm -hmm. So there's all these things. And then, you know, the militarization of the police was the North Hollywood shootout in 97, right? Where the the two guys go into the bank, but they have all this armor and everything, and they're shooting at all the LAPD and everything. During that footage, there was like up to six guy assailants. And then it got whittled down to two. And then afterwards, all the police forces in America seemed to be able to be militarized all of a sudden. It was like a big push for that. So yeah. all these inc- incremental things, if that's the right word, these ops like lead to something. Like you said, with Waco, I think it goes even back to JFK's assassinate. Like it starts like every couple of years they accomplish something, even if it's very slowly, they accomplish something very pivotal that's going to you know, be in relation to the next tragedy or something that's going to push the, the public to go in a certain direction. And I know I'm on a soapbox right now, but just all the like decades of research and all the stuff, that's the conclusions I've been coming but what to. Is, but Chris, yeah. Chris, the common denominator is to take guns out of the hands of Americans. There's, there's that too, and to traumatize the hell out of everybody because it's easier to control them that way as well. More, and we talk about this on the Wicked Planet, like the division, right? So so they want to divide people. They want to divide people, the anti-gun people with the pro-gun people, right? And and the one thing that they can't get over is the Constitution and the Second Amendment, right? So they can't alter that. They try, and they're trying it again. They seem to get rid of the First Amendment. Okay, so so Bill Clinton, if you remember, right after Columbine, yeah, that was when the first big assault weapons bans were coming down. That's right, and yes. and I, and and I can remember that clear as day because me and a friend of mine had ordered like thirty AK forty sevens, right, and they were on a ship from China, <laughs> headed China, to the United yeah. States. That assault weapons ban came into effect. We were not able to get those. However, we did get lucky and we got reimbursed our money. So, so, uh, but that was way back in the day, like back in my crazy, crazy days. But if, if you start looking at it, like you said, the perfect word incremental, right? I like to use the word accumulative. So what they do is, is just when, okay. So say this major traumatic event happens. And yeah. then, and then they they run it through the news cycle twenty four seven. Now this is pretty much before, uh, not really before, but 
Uh, because, you know, CNN is what brought the war to our door, like, because they were the first ones to do 24-7 coverage of the first Iraq war, right? So you're talking, war, yeah. So, you're, so yeah. you're talking 1990, 1991, right? So so then, uh, so now they're, they're figuring out, and we know that the government is involved with the news media even back then, right? And Look oh, at yeah. look at who owns CNN, Ted Turner. Like he's the biggest leftist you ever want to see. Married to Jane, <laughs> married to Hanoi Jane, Jane Fonda, who yeah, was Bill another. Cooper used to call him Turncoat Ted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Jane Fonda, who was who was another anti-American uh, left winger, right? Oh, she got her photos there at Vietnam, right? Yeah, yeah, with the yeah. North yeah. Vietnamese. Okay, that's right. So, but anyways, so they have this trauma-based event that happens, which is massive. It's 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 terrible what happens, right? Yeah. And then, and then they they run it through the news cycle, and using uh, Joseph Goebbels' playbook, yep. if you tell a lie enough times, it becomes truth, right? So, the bigger the lie, the easier to sell. They push yep. the narrative, push the narrative. Now it's ingrained in everybody's head, right? Yep. Then things quiet down. Nothing's going on. Everything's good. Everything's great. Oh, we're doing fantastic. Yeah. Then boom, Oklahoma City happens. Right, that's right. Yeah, starts the whole cycle over again, which brings it back. And what's the other common thread that goes all the way back to Texas too? Right, is always a military, ex-military element to it. Now yeah. there wasn't an ex-military element to Columbine, other than this this person that you're talking about that possibly military that they couldn't some kind that of they story. couldn't identify. However. There was a military element to it because the military was deployed to Columbine. There was a military presence of tanks and right. generals right. and all this. Yeah. The Texas Texas Tower shooter was an ex-Marine. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. So just think about that, right? And guess who guess who put the the commission together to find out what Whitman's what why Whitman uh, became psychotic in the first place? It was Mr. John Connolly that was in the limo with JFK. Okay, so without getting into JFK, because that's yeah, a whole, that's a whole other show, but but yeah. this is my opinion on it. Right. And we've talked about the Kennedys before because we're both from New England, and we yeah. know about the Kennedys, right? So the JFK assassination was the beginning. What we're learning now that the whole Warren Commission was bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 9-11 report again bullshit so they give us these reports that are basically just propaganda so okay here's the narrative this is what we found out we need you to read this and we need you to believe it right and they they turn it into a comic book for kids too by the way yeah the 9-11 one yeah. now now what are we sort of finding you know through the conspiracy channels and all the research that we've done and going back and doing actual like real research yeah. That JFK was more than likely killed by our own government. Oh, absolutely. And not not rogue elements. Now right. you're bringing the Bushes back into it. That's right. So yeah. JFK was taken out by his own government, you know, for a number of reasons. One, he, he didn't want the war in Vietnam, right? Yeah. Yeah. He didn't want that. And, and we know that that was started over a false flag. Like, we know that for a fact. Robert McNamara, like, dis, uh, disclosed that. Because he felt bad because he was close to uh, to death when he did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, anyways, but it, but it's coming in the cycles, right? 
And, yeah. and then, and then, and we won't get into Oklahoma City because that again, that's a whole separate show, and we will do that. But then you have the the big daddy, nine eleven, yeah, which ushers in the Patriot Act, which in name sounds like it's good. Now they yeah. wrote this Patriot Act up supposedly within a few days. And, and enacted it before anybody even knew what the Patriot Act was. What the Patriot Act is, was another tool of the government to take away more of our rights. But they call it the Patriot Act because it sounds patriotic. And what was the big thing right after 9-11? Get out there and buy an American truck and buy these flags that go on your antenna and buy this. Or the and, terrorists win. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, so let's all unite. And everybody was on board when we started sending troops to Afghanistan after that. Okay, yeah. what the fuck did Afghanistan have to do with 9-11 other than we were told that Osama bin Laden directed the 9-11 attack from Afghanistan? Now, we know a lot of shady stuff about the bin Ladens, like huge family in the United States, right? Yeah. Multi-zillionaires. Yeah. But you have this one rogue child that with the Mujahideen defeated the Russians in Afghanistan with the help of the American government, Charlie Wilson, right? That's right. And so why now all of a sudden is Osama bin Laden pissed off at the United States when the United States helped him achieve his goals to get Russia out of Afghanistan? Why would he want to do something like that that would welcome the United States into Afghanistan. Not that Afghanistan had anything to say about it because they were under Taliban rule at the time. I mean, we went in there, we kicked Afghanistan's ass in like less than a month, right? I mean, in the beginning, initially. Right. And then the longer you're there, the longer it's drawn out, the more people are going to die. That's just how war works, right? But what have we heard about Osama bin Laden? CIA operative. Colonel Tim Osmond. Yeah, there you go. You know? Uh, Just did an Osama special with my buddy Six a couple of days ago. We, Oh, yeah, you're on to something, my friend. The Bushes had the upper echelon of the Taliban visit Texas to do the oil and natural gas pipeline through Afghanistan. They had to get the Taliban's approval. Yeah. So the Bushes are already working on that. We know the Bushes were oil people, right? So yeah, the, the Carlisle group. Yeah. Yeah, which is... Uh, Wolfowitz, right? Wasn't it? Wolfowitz? No, that was the PNAC, the Project for a New American Century, the think tank. Carlisle Group was uh, participated participation of uh, Poppy Bush, George H. W. Bush, and Bin Laden's brother. Right, but there was another high-ranking American official that was part of the Carlisle Group, and I wanted to say it was Could Wolfowitz. Be, yeah. Maybe, maybe it wasn't Wolfowitz, but. A big, big person that was in the news a lot right after 9-11, right? That's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. so again, getting back to the things that are cyclical. These things happen over and over and over again. Yeah. They had to have something massive that was, like, inconceivable by any American to think that rogue elements can hijack airplanes and crash them into the World Trade Center, yeah. right? I mean, let's we don't even have to get into the the conspiracy theories and the in-depth things about 9-11 other than Building 7 coming down by itself. I want to know why Flight 11 took off from both gates 26 and 32. 
but that's for another show. Right. Just saying. We go after Afghanistan, we go after Iraq, and these so-called terrorist pilots, if you even believe that, yeah. we're all Saudi Arabian, with the exception of a couple of Egyptians. Yeah. But what did it do? We knew that we didn't finish the job in 1990 in the first Gulf War. They told Schwarzkopf, stop, do not go to Baghdad. Now, why would right. they do that? Just go to Baghdad. Get it done. I mean, he, yeah. Schwarzkopf was going through there like General Patton. General Patton would have been super proud of Schwarzkopf, right? right. And but they but they held him up, and they're like, okay, we're not ready to do this because we we again, Saddam Hussein was working with the U.S. government, but as soon as he rejected the idea of a central bank and decided he was going to start trading his oil and gold. Well, we, yeah. well, we can't have that. So yeah. then they come up with the fake WMD story, which Colin Powell, who I was a huge fan of, believe it or not. Yeah, that was pretty disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Sold that to the American public and the government. So we're like, well, you know what? All the Americans, this we're still remembering the first Gulf War. Yeah. So, so we're like, you know what? Fuck Saddam Hussein. Go in here and kick his ass, right? We're in the, the ass-kicking mood right now. Turn it to glass. We're, we're yeah. going to go to Taliban. We're going to go to Afghanistan. We're going to wipe them out. We're going to go find Osama bin Laden. We're going to fucking kill him. Everybody yep. else. And then come to find out he was in Pakistan. Right. Even if you believe that they actually did kill him then. Okay. He died December 16, 2001, folks. Fox News and CNN, the New York Times all reported it back then. People forget. They forget things. People forget way too easy, Chris, and this is part of the problem. Okay, so now that we covered a little bit about Columbine, give people, give the listeners a few tidbits to go and check out some of the stuff. And you said there's 11,000 documents associated with this? They call it the 11K uh, documents, 11,000. And then there's more that trickled out a little here and there, but 11,000 for the most part, yeah. Right. Now, and we're not just singling out Columbine, but what we do is we brought Columbine into it because it was like the first big school mass shooting, right? Yep, exactly. That had a lot of sketchy stuff associated to it. Like, we're not even going to get into Sandy Hook because I don't have a billion dollars to pay in a fine. Yeah, I don't have 2.3 trillion to pay in settlements. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, (laughs) so, but anyways, again, a lot of sketchy stuff. Just one thing that I found... Uh, all the people in Sandy Hook, all their mortgages got paid off. Like, like I heard that. Christmas Day. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Why is that? Right. So we're not going to get into it. Hidden history three folks. Yeah. And we, we go into that a little bit. Or John goes into that. Yeah. And yeah. Stuff yeah. Like and, and I'm going to turn people on to that too, Chris. Okay. So, so what was the, the big event? You're a fellow New England podcaster. That's another reason why I wanted to get together with you. We got a pretty good circle of us people up in New England. Uh, that are all, you know, talking about these types of things, conspiracy theories and kind of deep subjects, right? The Bridgewater Triangle, all those cool Oh, my God. <laughs> we're we're going to go on that someday, okay? Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I have another podcast, a friend that I want to invite in onto that conversation. Uh, cool. Actually, a couple. So we'll do like a group show, like if you're up for sure. that, right? Oh, absolutely. Because you live in the Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah, I do, yeah. 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 So, yeah, you happen to live, like, where a lot of my family is from, which is kind of interesting. But I'm <laughs> uh, very familiar with your area. 
Uh, but anyway, I'm not too far from where the supposed Pentagon leaker just got busted in Dighton. Oh, my God. <laughs> another bullshit story. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Another total bullshit story. But oh, yeah. uh, but anyways, so let's talk a little bit about the Boston bombing, because this is another example of something. And this is another common thread that they're having live situational training for certain terrorist events. Drills, yeah. Drills. That just happens to happen? <laughs> that mirror what actually happens in uh, real time, yeah. Kind of like 9-11. Over suppo- Webster Tarpley talked about over 100 drills that mirrored different aspects of 9-11 were happening on 9-11. Well, there you go. Yeah. Like 9-11, like we could do shows, like a show a week for a year and still talk <laughs> for about 9-11. For decades yeah. for me, oh yeah. Okay, so we got this, uh, the Zarnayev brothers, right? Yeah. That supposedly one of them was on an FBI watch list. Okay, well, they weren't watching him very fucking close. If he, he, in fact, <laughs> pulled this off, right? right. So, so get into a little bit of some of the oddities that are tied into the Boston bombing. Of course, that hits real close to home for us. And yeah. what happened that fall? Right? Patriots win the Super Bowl. Oh, yes, that's right. Yep. Red Sox win the World Series. So there was, like, got, so it was a lot of, our, lot of focus on Boston. A lot of attention. focus on Boston. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so, a good, you know what? You actually, right now, you that's the first time I actually considered that aspect, and now I feel like a schmuck. Like, yeah, no, that that's a good point. A lot of distraction, big distractions for New England. Uh, Remember Big Poppy? Remember yeah. Big Poppy's speech? This is our beep town. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, Boston yeah. strong. Yeah, yeah, Boston strong. Exactly. Okay, so let's get into the Boston bombing a little bit because I know that you know a fair amount about that, and I'm in, yeah. and I'm interested to see what you have. Well, if you remember correctly, at the very beginning, there were these mercenary types that were seen in the footage. They had like do you remember the Punisher logo with Chris Kyle's uh, company there, Chris Kyle, the American Sniper, mm-hmm. which is another s- subject. These guys with backpacks that were actually closer to what was actually exploded there. They had, and not the brothers, not the younger Joe Carr and, uh, and Tamerlan, the photos of what the backpack was, like, didn't really match, like, what, you know, you couldn't put a pressure cooker bomb in the size of, the backpack that they had. Okay, I, mean? I just I to... just wanted to say that, Chris, because what they sold us was that these bombs were made out of pressure cookers, like that you buy at like kitchen essentials or fucking bed bath were, and beyond. Yeah. There was talk about banning them at, for a real short time, yeah. like right after that, yeah. and ridiculous stuff. But yeah, they were far too small to be able to have these pressure cooker bombs. Um, if you look at um, the late. Dave McGowan went on this show called Caravan to Midnight with John B. Wells. Okay. Let me stop you right there. Sure, sure. Okay, so David McGowan did a three-hour show about the Boston bombing. Then later, supposedly from cancer, he suffered an untimely death, right? So Dave McGowan had a fast-acting Jack Ruby-like cancer. Yeah. And he died on November 22nd of 2015. November 22nd. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about dates. Yeah. 
But anyway, yeah, that was, uh, he ended up getting that in the beginning of 2015 and you can actually hear him coughing. And the thing with that is you can't really say anything because he was a smoker, right? right. So they oh, of course he, but up until that point, he, he even mentioned before that he would go to physicals and everything because he would, he had a construction business, right? So he would have to be in, you know, be insurable. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden these weird females start coming around. He ends up losing his house or different circumstances that I'll, I'll have Craig talk about if he's up for it. But Craig is his brother, uh, and he has the feeling that Dave was was taken out too. Uh, and most likely, and Maria Heller, who Dave did a show called Sending the Clowns with, she agrees with that too because um, she was actually kind of close with Dave, uh, even more so than uh, most of Dave's family. But not to go off on Dave too much, but Dave did this great presentation about all of his findings in the footage of the Boston bombing, the lack of blood, all of a sudden there's a little too much blood. You know, you got you know, just these weird characters that are hanging around the bombing and people that have wounds that shouldn't have them. And some people that like a lot of the stuff wasn't even shredded near some of these explosions, like just like, like, cause it was the marathon, right? So you're talking about like different, um, signs being held up and stuff. They would have shrapnel all embedded everywhere. You know, stuff would be shredded. And in the footage, Jay points out that these oddities where it's like, there should be all kinds of damage like here, there, he does a lot better folks. Uh, so I'm not even going to attempt to try to replicate his research there, but it's caravan to midnight with John B. Wells. You could, it's out there. You can find it. Bit shoot has it, it, it a couple other places, but I'm a big supporter in uh, Dave McGowan's work. He was the first nine 11 truther on nine 12 on his website, which was for free. It wasn't behind a paywall. Like a lot of these researchers are, but anyway, I'm going off again, my ADD adult mind here, but with the Boston bombing, Originally, it was reported that there were other explosive devices that were found that didn't go off. Yes, I remember that. That's a common theme with a lot of these incidents, you know, like uh, on 9-11. There were reports of other devices found. There were even reports of people being arrested planting devices even after the towers collapsed. I have that news footage, too like cops with guns drawn, like because there were bombers on the ground. You never hear about any of that ever again. But luckily, people were able to capture a lot of this footage. That'll be in Hidden History 3, too. But anyway, there's a whole other aspect that they seem to have other components. So with Boston bombing, I think a couple of the hotels around the area were evacuated, too, because they found devices. They Actually, they had the Boston Globe made the claim that the uh, Boston police ended up blowing up a couple of these uh, unexploded devices, actually. You can look this up. It's in mainstream, like Boston Globe and things. They talked about how they had controlled uh, explosions so yes, that they uh, could just get rid of them. Yeah, I remember so, that, Chris. Yeah. So where is that in the official story now? We just have the two pressure cooker bombs. And also, if you look at it, the, originally it was said that there was a bomb at the JFK library a couple of miles away. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into a fire that was started by someone flicked a cigarette or something. But when you go there, like Russ Baker, uh, researcher Russ Baker go, said he went to the JFK library and staff, like when he tried to ask staff about that incident, they got, they told him that we're not allowed to talk about that stuff. 
So it was an innocent fire that coincidentally went at the same time. And it was also in the JFK uh, archives room. Some archive JFK stuff got destroyed in this innocent fire that was originally said to be suspicious explosion. That's convenient. That's convenient. Yeah, and guess who had just purchased it? Like uh, very shortly before that, the Carlisle group with Poppy Bush and Brother Bin Laden. And a lot of people think that, not to go back to JFK all the time, but a lot of people think that, you know, the elder Bush had something to do with uh, JFK's death in some way, whether he was in Dealey Plaza or not, I don't know. But some people think that. But anyway, there were other explosions. That's what I'm trying to say. And also Fox News had reported at the time that the explosion, the first initial explosion, was it came out from up and above out of Olympia Sports. Not on the ground outside. What is that shades of Oklahoma City? Hmm. You know, rider trucks outside, yet the explosions came from within and out. General Parton talked about that, and he would know. He was the explosives expert, right? So there was a lot of weird stuff that you always got to check with the footage, with these events. Like, they like to tell you that the most unreliable information is in the first moments and hours after these events. And part of that is, can be true. Like everyone can make mistakes or whatever, but if you're doing some kind of an op or a drill that goes live or gets the green light at the last second or whatever, by the powers that be, whoever they are, usually you're going to get closest to the truth in those initial reports. uh, Then before the official story gets cemented, you know, hours and days later. They like to always throw that in, that, oh, yeah, so the initial reports are always unreliable and everything. I like to do that, but. Well, let me, let me, tell, you, let me tell you something. When you talk about how they're having these live simulated drills, right? Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, for some reason, this drill gets greenlit because it's actually happening. What they're drilling for, it's happening, right? Exactly. This guy I know was in Boston when that happened. Now, I don't know. He might have even been at a Red Sox game. But I want to say he was he was he was pretty close to to when this Boston bombing happened. He was in Boston that day. That would be right around Boylston Street too, yeah. kind of yeah. close. Yeah, Fenway. Yeah. So he the one thing that he brought up to me, he goes, Ronnie, you wouldn't believe how many police cars came out of the woodwork. Yep. He said, all of a sudden, there's police cars, unmarked cars, unmarked police pickup trucks that was that columbine too ron and he said he said specifically he saw one two or possibly three f-150 ford crew cabs that were undercover police vehicles he said they were all black yeah to me that sounds more governmental but he said the response to that was massive within minutes now, if you call nine one one. Takes them twenty minutes to show up to your door, but all yeah, these yeah. all now. Granted, Boston's a big city; they got a huge police department. But to me, how many assets and how quickly they arrived on the scene right. to me means that they were staged already. Just my personal opinion. I agree with you. Believe me, I do. But you have to do the devil's advocate thing. Just to be fair, it was the marathon, so. Well, that's that can true. be a part. So I just like pointing that out before detractors like to point that out. You know what I mean? But yeah, 
there was a lot of weird activity, like uh, people saying that, you know, the announcement that went over the loudspeaker saying, oh, yeah, don't worry, folks, we're just having a, you know, a bomb drill because they had bomb sniffing dogs at the beginning of the uh, marathon. They had sharpshooters on the roofs, like on Boylston Street. Like, well, there's photos of that. Like, a lot of it got scrubbed, but I know where to find them still. But you see, like, the sharpshooters, like, standing above the different areas on Boylston Street. And, yeah, there was um, there was a track coach. Uh, I can't remember his exact name. Stevenson was the last name. He went on Alex Jones. I'm not a fan of Alex Jones. I'll just say that right off the bat. But during this time, he had this uh, coach, Stevenson, from, again, I can't remember the university. But he was talking about how there were these drills going on, and they mentioned over the loudspeaker that, don't worry, folks, this is just uh, a drill going on. And he went on a couple of other alt-media shows around the same time after going on InfoWars. So there was that. People forgot all about that. I don't know. Then you get into the uh, Sarna brothers and, like, their capture or, their, uh, you know, the older Tamerlans, like, death and everything. I saw the footage of them putting him uh, as a naked guy into the back of a cruiser and taken off. And then the story changed, like, in the morning that the younger brother – ended up um, stealing the SUV and running his older brother over. And right. if in Boston, in the Boston area, um, I don't know if you recall this or had heard about this, the different AM radio shows that were on at the time, people were calling in from like Watertown, like well, around that area or whatever. And they said that there was a police cruiser that ran over the older brother. I remember hearing that. Yeah, because didn't they? Wasn't it the day before, or was it the uh, the day before they got caught? They shot a, a cop in Cambridge. That is that is also a parallel with um, the JFK thing because it had shades of that JD Tippett murder that Oswald supposedly committed, like right after right. escaping Dealey. Remember that? So yeah. Sean Collier was taken out because they said it was they wanted uh, his firearm but couldn't get it out of the holster after shooting and killing him. They didn't even bother to get the firearm that they killed him over. Like, it became a J.D. Tippett thing. Like, why was he killed? And he was at a place and shouldn't have been, like, on the campus, apparently, you know, at the time. But devil's advocate, there were these bombers running around, so maybe um, maybe the college wanted to have that extra security at the time. I'll give them that, sure, whatever, you know. And then they supposedly carjacked an Asian fella, right, that wasn't named for years, I think they had gave the first name at first, but now they have like that documentary on Netflix about it. And they, they produce this guy and say, Oh no, his name was Danny or I believe. And, uh, they already had like a two vehicles already. So why did they need his, you know? And then it gets a little weirder and weirder and like almost like an Oswald McVeigh Ada kind of deal where it seems like they were sheep dipped. And what I mean by that is, there was a legend created for their background, you know, and he's being sent over to be undercover for the FBI so that he can become an American citizen with the boxing program and everything. Sure. There's a lot of parallels with like prior stuff. Like I said, going back to even JFK, like with the all kinds of stuff there, Ron. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing about the Zarnaya family, like they were kicked out of, they're from Chechnya. Yeah. And they were Chechens, which those are some pretty tough characters, right? Yeah. This family was kicked out of Chechnya by the Soviet government. Right. Which, when yeah. do you ever hear about that? Like, they don't kick you out of anything. They just put you in the gulag. They don't right. want you around, right? 
So yeah. I thought that even the backstory on the Zonaya family was a little sketchy. Just again, in my opinion. Did you look at the uncle? Remember the uncle that came out during that week that they were wanted? And he was saying that they were a bunch of losers and that they should turn themselves in. Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Pleading to them to has, turn themselves in. Yeah. He has serious CIA ties, too, going back to the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And again, yeah. this the older Zanayev brother, uh, Tamalin, right, was on yeah. the FBI watch list. And yet he was uh, an asset for it, depending on yeah. who, what research you asked, that uh, he was possibly being groomed, for lack of a better term, like Oswald was by sending him to Russia to you know, spy for us and everything. And then, like Oswald, is quietly let back into the United States afterwards. So I'm telling you, there's like parallels with JFK even, like with with uh, the, the yeah. Zarnoff brothers or whatever, you know? Yeah, you know, I do I do know that people were definitely injured during Boston bombing. Like a, uh, a girl that I went to school with uh, that's very straight-laced, her... I want to say one of her cousins was one of the victims. Uh, she lost a leg um, during the Boston. See, that's moment. where I don't see. That's where I don't know because I wasn't there. Like, I'm not saying that your friend uh, is wrong or whatever. But if people look at Dave McGowan's work, not even just that video presentation he did with John Wells. If you go to a Center for an Informed America, you know, because he he had a sense of humor too. Dave McGowan at CIA Center for an Informed America that website is still up he has his whole breakdown all the articles he did on the boston bombing and all the analysis that even more so than that three-hour presentation and he goes into all all the money that was made from the charities and then he goes into jeff bowman the guy that they they focused in on oh yes. He's, not really, yes he's not bleeding at all but yet yet he has his bone he's like a shard sticking up and then the weird there's a weird parallel with Sandy Hook where we have almost had no imagery from that event, right? Including what it just looked like uh, people just walk milling around or walking about, you know, not like it's, oh, it's an active like shooting going on or it just ended and people are crying or anything. No, there's helicopter footage, you know, you got suspects in the woods that they never talked about ever again either. So, um, all dressed in black, got, all dressed in black. All in camo. Yeah, I remember. Stuff. I remember that. That was actually on the news, uh, just touching briefly on Sandy yeah. Hook. Uh, during that whole situation there, they, they had helicopter footage of this person all dressed in there black. Were three. That, well, three this one particular, this yeah. one particular one, he's running up this tree line right next to the school and it shows him getting, getting caught by a bunch of other cops, right? Uh, yeah, and there's two other guys that are around the footage that, and they get away. That disappeared. Even, yes. even even the thing about the guy in black, that disappeared. That disappeared. And you never heard anything else about Ron? it. You remember the movie The Town, right? With oh. Ben Affleck. Oh yeah. Okay. What was their whole What was their whole mo when they would go? Like, what would they dress up as when they would go on their bank heists? Well, they would dress up as different characters. They dressed up as predators, well, and then they the dressed part, and they dressed up as nuns. Nuns. Thank you. Yeah. Well, what had happened was. <laughs> The movie had already come out at the time, right? Well, there were reports, and there's the police uh, recordings, the audio recordings. They were chasing a maroon or a purple van away from the scene with the windows shot out, and inside the suspects were wearing none out for, uh, uniforms and wearing black masks. But they were dressed as nuns, and they were escaping from the scene. 
and we don't know if they ever caught up with them or not. Are you talking from Nasina Sandy Hook? Yes. Yeah, okay. That got disappeared, too. But it was right out of the movie The Town where they're dressed up as nuns. Yeah. And they got the masks on and all that, and the guns and everything. Yeah. So anyway, what I was saying about the Sandy Hook thing was it was the polar opposite with the Boston bombing. They couldn't show you enough gore at one point. Oh, yeah. But there wasn't any gore at first, though. That's also, like, a weird thing about it. Like, Dave McGowan was pointing out, like, where's the blood? Where's the gore? And, like, yeah, you would see people, like, without their without their legs, but they don't have tourniquets on or anything. And there's no blood anywhere. Some of the people that even one they claim died, I, I forget her name right now. There's a picture of her like texting someone and while smiling. And then in the next frame, she's appeared, appeared to be dead. Yeah. Like, what is that about? Yeah. I've seen, I, I've not seen the picture of her texting, but I saw the picture of her laying dead. Yeah, right yeah. before that. It's like she's got a smirk and she's texting. I'm like, what is that? Is yeah, wasn't she like kid? a nurse, like a nurse from Boston or something like that? I, I, don't, I don't remember her name, but. There was I, a couple of backstories. I'm telling you, Ron, if you look at some of these uh, these people that were giving out the uh, witness statements, like uh, they claimed to be doctors at the time and that they were up to their, their eyeballs and blood and guts and that there were someone even one of these doctors that were on scene even claimed that there was like a pile of legs uh, like built up. Dave McGowan showed all the footage. There was no scenes of like legs in a pile, like a huge pile like, going over the top with the gore description. Like there was no scenes like that. In any that's of the typically footage. that's typically stuff they will refuse to put on the news. Uh, not only for and privacy, show you not more, only like, for with, privacy reasons, but the right. gore factor, people don't want to see that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yet after the Boston bombing, there was pictures and video literally everywhere. Yeah, and then they had like scenes of blood after. I'm not saying there wasn't any blood at all because there was some gory shots there, folks. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But in the initial blast and everything, I don't know. You would think the gore would already be there. It seems to be a time lapse thing going on where. Now, all of a sudden, the whole sidewalk's caked with this weird, weird colored shape, like blood that should be a different color if it's fresh and everything. Like, and it looks like it was already, like, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but I'm not a special effects artist. I'm not saying it was that, but I have a feeling because there are organizations out there that specialize in disaster training and things like that that will utilize prosthetic gore and, and things like that for drills for practice purposes and training purposes. So that is a real thing. But who's to say, speculation here, folks, who's to say that a drill like that didn't go live and they just passed it off as uh, the a, real deal? A real event. I, I'm not saying that's what happened, but a lot of this stuff, you find these characters that were given those descriptions. The reason why I brought that up, the doctor saying there's a pile of legs that I saw. I had tripped over them even. Yeah. You can't find some of these people now. Yeah. Where are they? Okay, so but, sure, sure. let's bring in the phenomenon that we know as crisis actors, that we know is a real thing. That's what I was, yeah. Basically. Okay, yeah. so I've seen pictures of people that were at Sandy Hook yep. that were also supposedly at the Boston bombing. And Watertown. There's a woman from CNN is at all three places. So let's, so, so tell us a little bit about why why these people would happen to show up in videos of Sandy Hook and then all of a sudden 
and uh, other other things, other instances, other things that have happened. We see them at the Boston. I mean, Aurora. Even I yeah. found some people that were witnesses there. They showed up later, like months later, with the Sandy Hook thing. Yeah, Aurora. Like I didn't even think of that. Aurora is a deep dive too. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just speculating here, but I have a feeling there's two things going on there. Number one, they just don't care anymore about using the same people, especially with this media interview type thing. Kind of like I was touching upon with the false flag having a new level where they'll have like people acting weird on purpose to get people like you and I to be like, is this real? Like the hoaxer thing, like started getting like all those suspects of Sandy hook, right? They got away, they got arrested or and let out, or we never found out who they were. Right. Yeah. That false flag aspect to it. Like who were these other shooters? Cause I do believe that it was part drill part real carnage. Like I think there were children that died and adults, but I also think that the school was being utilized for something else. I think drills were going on the media component by putting out this twilight zone element of the coroner sitting there joking and laughing and everything. The next day, people, uh, parents, uh, forgiving the shooter the next day at press conferences and appearing to be getting into character, you know, all this weird stuff that's going to make our flags go up and go, is this real? What is going on here? I think that was all on purpose and it was a new type of thing. And with people like Alex Jones, that culminated that op where now, Oh, he's getting, he has to pay two point. He has to pay trillions of dollars now for asking questions. So now in the future, people like you and I are like, Whoa, I'm not. I'm having my thoughts, but I'm never going to question anything ever again. Right. I'm going to take my livelihood. Well, away. what didn't you? What didn't you, you say that this whole Alex Jones? Like they just singled him out because he's the granddaddy, right? I think he's playing a part in it too, Ron. I, I can't prove it. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Maybe in the beginning. Okay, so you want to talk about Oklahoma City? Like that's where Alex Jones started out investigating Oklahoma City. Yeah, right around that's there. That's what started it. Yeah. Well, Waco, but then he really got into it at Oklahoma City. And let's keep in mind, I'll tell you this right now. The first guy that really pointed out the true nature of of this Alex Jones character was the late Bill Cooper. And he called him out quite a bit about, you know, his thoughts on it. I trust Bill Cooper a hell of a lot more than I knew Alex Jones. Yeah, I would love love to get together with you and talk about just Bill Cooper, right? I just did a special on that too, dude, and we went into... Weird stuff about his death that not a lot of people ever heard. Oh, no, that was sketchy. About. That was definitely sketchy for sure. But let's get back to Alex Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they put Alex Jones, say say he is not what he's portrayed to be, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to say yeah. the word controlled opposition, but let's just say. I've always liked Alex Jones's work. I mean, when, when he used to, I, I discovered him on Coast to Coast. Now, he was pretty toned down to be on Coast to Coast, which, you know, with George Norrie, that's going to be the way, right? Exactly. He's not going to be able to just run wild like he does on on InfoWars. The gay frogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there yeah. you go. But this was a way for them to say, okay, let's, let's you know, let's, let's push this up in the media. Let's show everybody that we're going after Alex Jones and his, you know, who has literally millions of followers. Yeah. And we're going to use him to set an example because what this is going to tell all these other podcasters and investigative reporters, because the beginning of COVID was the beginning of the conspiracy podcast explosion, mine included. Right? Everyone was at home. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and we're like, okay, we're questioning the narrative. Now we have a platform we can get out there and talk about it. So that's what we did, right? But yeah. this could be the government's way of saying, because remember they wanted to start this whole disinformation uh, part of the uh, uh, government? They even appointed this goofy lady. Uh, yeah, it was last year, I think. Yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Department pretty, pre- of, uh, yeah, misinformation. Yeah, pretty thing. recent. Yeah. Pretty recent. Like the anti-propagandists, because we can't have other propagandists competing with us because we're the heads <laughs> of the propaganda, right? Exactly. So, oh, yes. uh, so which our propaganda is like brutal, right? Like You got this, this is a Bernays guy. Uh, yeah. that, uh, you know, had something to do with Netflix, right? So, right, uh, right. yeah, he wrote the book Propaganda. I know, I own it. But uh, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. so yeah, this yeah. was their way of saying, you know what, we're going to show everybody that if we can take Alex Jones down, we can take all you small podcasters down. You need to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Because don't they don't questions. like what we're talking about because when we talk to people, I actually have a couple of listeners that are going to be coming into the studio to do a separate episode on how just by listening to the Wicked Planet opened their eyes to really what's going on. And it's a unique case. I've asked them to come on. They've agreed to come on. We're going to do an episode. So, but they don't want people waking up. You talk about the Great Awakening, which we've gone through in the last year, right? Yeah. Now, not to be confused with woke, because that's something totally different. It's another op, yeah. But but so now let's bring this new TikTok ban into it, which has nothing to do with TikTok in reality. Exactly. They're saying the TikTok ban, but they're calling it, but it's actually the Restrict Act. Yep. And like the Patriot Act, it's supposed to be there to protect us. Yeah. All this Restrict Act is to stop people like us. And throw us away. They don't want people questioning the government narrative. Yeah. They don't want us questioning why we're in these endless wars all over the world. They don't yeah. even like us questioning what's going on in Ukraine. They don't like <laughs> us questioning where that 110 plus billion, maybe up to 140 billion now, why that yeah. money was sent to Zelensky, who's a, who's a total cokehead, by the way. Oh, yeah. They don't want us questioning... FTX, the whole the whole crypto thing with Sam Bankman Freed, who was actually taking money from Zelensky, investing it into FTX, funneling the profits back to the Democrats just before the midterm elections. Right? They can't deny this. Like like we know that they did this. Like it's it's un, it's in black and white. Right. Yeah. But they don't want us talking about it. And that is all the Restrict Act is. It's the Patriot Act 2.0 on steroids. And if that Restrict Act ever passes, like like all of our shows is just going to disappear. Or we're going to talk about unicorns maybe or talk about ghosts or something like that, right? But anyways, so so Chris, uh, so that was some really, uh, really cool information. I know we didn't you know, dive too, too deep, but I think we might be doing that in the future, right, if you're up for that. Oh, I'm up for that anytime you want me. Yeah. Can I just say this one last thing? Because it's going to Oh, yeah. No, well, well, we're not ending yet because I wanted to talk some uh, some Massachusetts, some New England stuff. Oh, again. yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, the hoaxer phenomenon started popping up, and it kind of took the attention away from the other suspects that got away during Sandy Hook. And the hoaxer thing started building. 
And then people's attention went towards, oh, is it real? Is it fake? People are laughing. Family members are laughing. The coroner is being weird and all. You didn't hear any more about the second gunman, the third gunman, the people of the woods, the van filled with nuns. You didn't hear any more. I have footage of a, uh, I literally have footage of a Monsignor laughing about it on the news when he called into a show. And it was like the Sandy Hook Monsignor down the street at St. Rose of Lima or whatever. So weird stuff went on with that whole hoaxer thing. And I'll I'll say this, like, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure that Alex Jones that we knew from, like, back in the day could have had all that stuff thrown out. That defamation thing with the the Breslins, uh, because Neil Breslin was on Megyn Kelly talking about how he was holding his dead child in his arms with a bullet hole in his head. Mm -hmm. All Alex Jones would have had to have his, his lawyer produce was the Wayne Carver, the coroner, the press conference the next day after the shooting telling people that the parents never came into contact with their, their dead children and that they had to be identified by Polaroids. Then he could have had that thrown out, but he just sat there with his lawyer and did nothing. Mm-hmm. So that kind of confirmed to me what I had thought, what Alex Jones was all those years that Bill Cooper was a hundred percent, you know, and that's all I want to say about that. I just forgot to mention that. All right, so so yeah, so you know, and then the whole conspiracy theory that uh, Alex Jones is Bill Hicks, right? So I never bought it. Yeah, yeah, I no, I, I don't either. I don't either. A lot yeah. of similarities, doppelganger, whatever. But anyways, right, right, so, right. so anyways, you're a fellow New England podcaster. Yeah, and uh, we both seem to have a similar uh, kind of uh, love for the Cape. Right, Cape Cod, oh, stuff yeah. like that. Cape Cod, and uh, and of course, you know uh, the New England royal family, the Kennedys. Right, that's what they're based out of is Hyannis, which is on the Cape. That's and right. uh, and uh, you, you, we talked a little bit about something that I thought was really unique. So let's bring in some Boston crime into it real quick to end the show. Okay. <laughs> so 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 when anybody hears about Boston crime, who do they think of? Whitey Bulger. Whitey Bulger. Right. Yeah, whose brother was a very well-known politician, by the way. He and, was the head of UMass. Head of college. U, yeah, head of UMass, and uh, so he was a politician. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a book called The Brothers Bulger. Go go check it out. It's really interesting. <laughs> I've read a ton of shit on Whitey Bulger. Uh, I was actually, when I was in my federally funded vacation, I, was, I actually met one of Whitey Bulger's, uh, one of his guys. Right. When I was on my, uh, when I was in the college. With the Winter Hill gang, uh, he was part of that. Yeah, he had something to do. Oh, okay, with that. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I don't want to get into it because I know he's still alive. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know I he's still you. alive. But anyways, that's where I met him. <laughs> was right, in uh, right. college. But anyways, uh, <laughs> you you brought up this interesting story, and it's kind of part of uh, Cape Cod folklore, right? Now we're not yeah. going to talk about the vampires of Provincetown. That's another story. Another little bit of folklore. So bring some serial killers into it. My <laughs> wife thought I was joking until I showed her, and she goes. Oh wow, you weren't joking. Yeah, no. There's a pirate ship off the off the coast there too, the Wida, the Wida pirate ship. But. Yeah. So let's talk just briefly about the Lady of the Dunes because that, that's kind of interesting thing. Well, full disclosure, they supposedly identified her uh, as a certain lady that I should probably have it in front of me right now, but forgive me because I don't. But for years and years, the idea was that. 
Well, not the idea. There was a, a woman that was found without, uh, she was missing like her teeth, I believe. She was missing her fingerprint or her hands rather and fingers. All these things that would make it so that she could be identified. Which and which was a Whitey Bulger a, MO. Okay. That's why he gets he gets attached to that, yeah, uh, yeah. basically. And Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, a couple of years ago, brought it to a lot of people's attention that the sketch, uh, the, the sketch of the Lady of the Dunes that the uh, crime investigators had put together over the years, based on like the her her corpse or whatever, what she would have looked like today and everything, because they didn't identify her forever until last fall, I believe. But for the longest time, she was unidentified. Unidentified. I've been yeah. to her grave. My mother actually put flowers on her grave right there in Provincetown. And what had happened was Joe Hill had a theory that she was an extra in the movie Jaws in the summer of, 19, of 70, 1974 on Martha's Vineyard where they filmed Jaws. Mm-hmm. And he has the exact moment, like, uh, pointed out, the still shot from the movie that for some reason he thought he was convinced, like he did interviews on like uh, entertainment tonight. He did like good morning America. And he was talking about this theory that he thought that the woman, like this extra in the background during the Amity scenes of people getting off the boat from the ferry and everything, that it was the lady of the dunes and that she possibly could have been in that area around the time that the lady of dunes, was found dead a couple of weeks after that stuff was filmed for Jaws. Now, keep in mind, with extras on movies, especially in in the 1970s, they weren't keeping track of who was an extra, who they paid or whatever, because the way that the production paid uh, extras on the movie Jaws is they would just give them a couple of bucks and feed them, and most of the time, they were residents of Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, they were up for it. They were up for it. Yeah. Yeah. So there wouldn't be paperwork about, like, because I was an extra in, like, The Fighter, movies like that, you know what I mean? I had a paper trail that I had to, you know, we had my Social Security number everything, you know, so I could get paid or whatever. Back then, especially if they're going to be in a place like Martha's Vineyard, there's no reason because they just have residents that want to come out and be a part of it, get fed, get a couple of bucks, maybe some ice cream, whatever. So anyway, Joe Hill, to make a, a very long story short, Stephen King's son, Joe Hill, had a theory that the Lady of the Dunes, who was thought to have been a victim of Whitey Bulger and his crime network as some kind of Irish um, human trafficking case, like a sex slave over here, Mm -hmm. they brought over here. Um, For years, they thought that that Whitey Bulger was responsible for her death in 1974, where this woman's corpse was found, like, dismembered and unidentifiable. And yeah, she became known as the Lady of the Dunes. And true crime, the true crime fans or researchers, they for years are trying to find. They they even attributed her death to another serial killer at one point too, because he uh, took credit for it. But it was proven that he was nowhere near like that area, or whatever. He's like in the Midwest, I believe. But yeah, very interesting story. Apparently, they had the technology now where they're pretty, they're fairly certain that the Lady of the dunes has been officially identified, but in New England and Cape Cod folklore or, or mythology, yeah, she was identified, and all these different theories were attributed, you know, or were associated with her for years and years that uh, we just didn't know. 
you know, Whitey Bulger, Jaws, Stephen King's son points it out. It was all these weird, like, you yeah. know, little things. But Yeah, it's interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because for the longest time, she was like, the, like, like, you know, this unknown person that's buried, buried in a, that big cemetery in Provincetown, right? Is that yeah, where she's right, buried? Where the, the, right where the English-looking uh, tower is. Right, yeah, like, the, the big like cemetery. London. Yeah, the big yeah. cemetery next to the Pilgrim Tower. Pilgrim Tower, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, my buddy Dan is the maintenance man for the Pilgrim Tower. Yeah, I yeah I'm, friend, I'm friends that. with yeah. that guy. So, so it anyways, it reminds me of like old timey like England or something. It looks all like like the colonial and everything. Yeah, have you ever have you ever gone to the top of it? I would love to, but they oh it God. wasn't open when I was there. Yeah. On a clear day, you can see Boston. Oh yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, easily, yeah. easily, easily. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's right at the tip, of, right on the tip of Provincetown. Uh, yeah, you want to know? That's where the Pilgrims landed first. Okay, I didn't so, know that for a yeah, while. Yeah, I just talked. I talked about this briefly on uh, some friends of mine, uh, Nico and Rosie from the Upstate Unconventional podcast. Like, oh, like wow. I was, they, they they were at the Cape the week before I was at the Cape. Wow. Uh, so, so we missed. We were kind of hoping we were going to hook up, but we didn't. But right. I was on. I did a, a show with them, and I was telling them. The whole story of Provincetown in Truro, the town of Truro, yep. because Truro, Truro, it's kind of a tongue twister, was where all <laughs> the fresh water was. And when the Pilgrims first landed on Provincetown, like there was no fresh water there that they had access to. So right. they would have to go to Truro, get it and bring it back to Provincetown. Well, by car, it's even a little bit of a hike. But could you imagine back then? <laughs> so after a year or so, they abandoned Provincetown and then went to Plymouth. So that's another cool story for for Cape Cod folklore, right? So, but this Plymouth tower Rock is not too far from me too right now. <laughs> this tower is massive in Provincetown, and oh, was yeah. and it's square. So when you go up the stairs, there's square stairs like you. It's not spiral like at all. And yeah. uh, and even uh, before my surgeries, I was pretty sick, but I was still able to do it. Right? right, and when you get to the top of that amazing view, like unbelievable view, but it overlooks that cemetery where the Lady of the Dunes is buried. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. cool story. Uh, if I can find any information on it, I'll drop. I'll drop uh, like a link in the show notes. And uh, all right, so Chris, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you if they want to hear more from uh, Chris Graves? Yeah, I uh, I just want to say thanks for having me, Ron, and I hope we can do this many, many more times. Oh, uh, we will. I want- I want to have you on my show. I have a couple of shows, so I want to have you on as a guest too and talk some more, uh, you know, like Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah, anytime, like anytime. You can find me at ocelli.com. Uh, my show is called Get Mad with Chris Graves, and that's Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also I do video uh, podcasts, for lack of a better word, um, Digging Chris Graves. Because uh, I, I guess I think I'm cute or something. I have all these different things. I have conspiring with Mr. Cooper. That's on Saturdays, and I have don't take our word for it with Peter Sikosh, who is also another researcher of Don Jeffries. And we are currently looking into doing a very deep dive into the John Lennon assassination. Interesting. And we're finding lots of weird stuff that was only reported a couple of times about that. Do you know that they were with a group of people? It wasn't just John and Yoko out front. I had no idea. I am not familiar, but I oh. sound, but it sounds like I'm going to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can find me there. And the last thing that I'll promote, if I can, is the new prisoners. 
I'm a contributor contributor there every week, and that's on uh, on Friday from ten to one, and that's on Rumble, uh, Odyssey, and then we have it on like Twitter and all that too. So I'm there. Uh, that's a live stream too, so you can participate with us. Yeah, I'll have so, to. I'll have to get in on one of them shows, Chris. You'll have to give me a heads up, and I'll join in uh, in in the comments. Please, that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah anytime, awesome. anytime, anytime you want to get together, like anytime, just let me know. Uh, I have this thing for New England podcasters, right? Well, I love that you had the circle of. Uh, I I wasn't really aware with it, uh, of it until now, to be honest with you. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Quite quite a few of us actually, and uh, you turn me on to some, and I turn you on to some. So maybe we it's can make awesome. the circle a little bigger. All right, Chris Graves, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on The Wicked Plan. I was really looking forward to it. Uh, you gave some really cool information, gave the people some tidbits to go do some research on their own. And I look forward to uh, hooking up with you again real soon. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Chris. Thanks.